she had been more careful of what she wished for. Chapter 3 Practice The wide corridor outside the Armelin's apartments was as cold as her sitting room had been and full of drafts. Some were strong enough to ripple one or another of the long, heavy tapestries on the white marble walls. Atop the gilded stand lamps between the bright wall hangings, the flames flickered, nearly blown out. The novices would be at their breakfast at this hour, and likely most of the other accepted, too. For the moment, the hallways were empty, save for Swan and Moiraine. They walked along the blue runner, half the width of the corridor, taking advantage of the small protection the carpet gave from the chill of the floor tiles, a repeating pattern in the colors of all seven ajas. Moiraine was too stunned to speak. The faint sound of the trumpets still sounding barely registered on her. They turned the corner into a hallway where the floor tiles were white, the runner green. To their right, another wide, tapestry-hung corridor lined with stand lamps spiraled gently upward toward the Aja's quarters, the visible portion floored in blue and yellow, with a runner patterned in grey and brown and red. Inside each Aja's quarters, the Aja's own color predominated, and some others might be missing altogether. But in the communal areas of the tower, the colors of all the Aja's were used in equal proportion. Irrelevant thoughts drifted through her head. Why equal when some ajas were larger than others? Had they once been the same size? How could that have been achieved? A newly raised Aes Sedai chose her aja freely, yet each aja had quarters of the same size. Irrelevant thoughts were better than... Do you want breakfast? Swan said. Moiraine gave a small start of surprise. Breakfast? I could not swallow a bite, Swan. The other woman shrugged. I have no appetite myself. I just thought I'd keep you company if you wanted something. I am going back to my room and try to get a little sleep, if I can settle myself. I have a novice class in two hours. And likely more classes to teach today, if the sisters did not start returning soon. Novices could not miss classes for little things like battles or... She did not want to think about the or. She would miss lessons, too, if the Aes Sedai failed to return. Accepted studied on their own for the most part, but she had a private class scheduled with Mylan Sedai and another with Larella Sedai. Sleep would be wasting time we don't have, Swan said firmly. We'll practice for the testing. We might have almost a month, but it could be tomorrow just as easily. We cannot be sure we will be tested any time soon. Marianne just said she thought we were close. Swan snorted loudly. While she was still a novice, the sisters had cleaned up her language, which had been strongly redolent of the docks and often rough with it, but they still had not managed to smooth away all the edges of her, which was just as well. Rough edges were a part of Swan. When Marian says someone is close, she tests within the month, and you know it, Moiraine. We'll practice. Moiraine sighed. She did not really believe she could sleep, not now, but she doubted she could concentrate very well either. Practice took concentration. Oh, all right, Swan. The second surprise, after their friendship, had been the realization that between them the fisherman's daughter led and the noblewoman followed. Of course, rank in the outside world carried no rights inside the tower. 
There had been two daughters of beggars who rose to be Armalin's seat, as well as daughters of merchants and farmers and craftsfolk, including three daughters of cobblers, but only one daughter of a ruler. Besides, Moiraine had been taught to judge people's capabilities long before she left home. In the Sun Palace especially, you began learning that as soon as you were old enough to walk. Swan had been born to lead. It felt surprisingly natural to follow where Swan led. I wager you will be in the Hall of the Tower by the time you have worn the shawl a hundred years, and Amerlin before fifty more, she said, not for the first time. It brought the same reaction it always did. Don't ill-wish me, Swan said with a scowl. I intend to see the world. Maybe parts of it no other sister has seen. I used to watch the ships sail into tear full of silk and ivory from Shara, and I'd wonder if any of the crew had had the nerve to sneak outside the trade ports. I would have. Her face matched Tamra's for determination. Once my father took his boat all the way down river to the Sea of Storms, and I could hardly pull on the nets for staring south, wondering what lay beyond the horizon. I'll see it one day. And the Arith Ocean. Who knows what lies west of the Arith Ocean? Strange lands with strange customs. Maybe cities as great as Tarvalon, and mountains higher than the spine of the world. Just think about it, Moiraine. Just think. Moiraine suppressed a smile. Swan was so fierce about her intended adventures, though she would never call them that. Adventures were what took place in stories and books, not in life, as Swan would point out to anyone who used the word. Without a doubt, though, once she had the shawl, she would be off like an arrow leaving the bow. And then they might see one another twice in ten years, if not longer. That brought a pang of sadness, but she did not doubt that her own predictions would come true as well. It did not take foretelling. No, that was thinking in the wrong direction. As they turned another corner and walked past a narrow marble staircase leading down, Swan's scowl faded, and she began studying Moiraine in sidelong glances. The floor tiles here were a vivid green, the runner deep yellow, and the white walls were plain and bare. The stand lamps were not gilded in this part of the tower, which was used more by servants than sisters. "'You're trying to change the subject, aren't you?' Swan said abruptly. "'Which subject?' Moiraine asked, half laughing. "'Practice or breakfast?' "'You know what subject, Moiraine. What do you think about it?' The bubble of laughter vanished. There was no need to ask what it was. "'exactly the thing that she did not want to think about. "'He is born again.' "'She could hear Gitara's voice in her head. "'The dragon takes his first breath.' "'Her shiver had nothing to do with the cold this time. "'For more than three thousand years "'the world had waited on the prophecies of the dragon to be fulfilled, "'fearing them, yet knowing they told of the world's only hope. "'And now a boy-child was about to be born.' very soon, perhaps, by the way Gitara had spoken, to bring those prophecies to a conclusion. He would be born on the slopes of Dragon Mount, reborn where it was said the man he had once been had died. Three thousand years ago and more, the Dark One had almost broken free into the world of humankind and brought on the War of the Shadow, which had ended only with the breaking of the world. Everything had been destroyed, the very face of the earth changed, humanity reduced to ragged refugees. 
Centuries passed before the simple struggle for survival gave way to building cities and nations once more. That infant's birth meant the Dark One would break free again, for the child would be born to face the Dark One in Tarman Gaiden, the last battle. On him rested the fate of the world. The prophecies said he was the only chance. They did not say he would win. Maybe worse than the thought of his defeat, though, was the fact that he would channel Sidene, the male half of the One Power. Moraine did not shiver at that. She shuddered. Sidene bore the Dark One's taint. Men still tried to channel from time to time. Some actually managed to teach themselves and survived learning without a teacher. No easy feat. Among women, only one in four survived trying to learn on their own. Some of those men caused wars, usually false dragons, men who claimed to be the dragon reborn, while others attempted to hide in ordinary lives. But unless they were caught and brought to Tarvalon to be gentled, cut off from the power forever, every one of them went mad. That could take years, or just months, yet it was inevitable. Madmen, who could tap into the one power that turned the wheel of time and drove the universe. The histories were full of the horrors men like that had done. And the prophecies said that the Dragon Reborn would bring a new breaking of the world. Would his victory be any better than a victory by the Dark One? Yes. Yes, it must be. Even the breaking had left people alive to rebuild, eventually. The Dark One would leave only a charnel house. And in any case, prophecies did not turn aside for the wishes of accepted, not for the prayers of nations. What I think is that the Armalyn told us not to talk about it, she said. Swan shook her head. She told us not to tell anyone else. Since we already know, it must be all right for us to talk about it between us. She cut off as a stout serving woman with the white flame of Tarvalon on her breast appeared around a corner just ahead of them. As the round woman walked past, she peered down her long nose at them suspiciously. Perhaps they looked guilty. Male servants often turned a blind eye to what accepted and even novices got up to. Perhaps they wanted no more involvement with Aes Sedai than their jobs entailed. Female servants, on the other hand, kept as close a watch as the sisters themselves. As long as we're careful, Swan breathed, once the liveried woman was beyond earshot. However certain she was that talking between themselves was all right, she seemed content to say no more until they reached the Accepted's quarters, in the tower's western wing. There, stone-railed galleries in a hollow well surrounded a small garden three levels below. The garden was only a handful of evergreen bushes poking through the snow at this time of year. An Accepted, who put her feet too far wrong, might find herself clearing away that snow with a shovel, the sisters were great believers that physical labor built character. But no one had gotten into that much trouble lately. Resting her hands on the railing, Moiraine peered up at the bright winter morning sky, past the six silent rows of galleries above. Her breath made a white mist in front of her face. The trumpets were more audible here than in the hallways, the stink of smoke stronger in the air. There were rooms for over a hundred accepted in this well, and the same in a second well, too. Perhaps the numbers would not have come to mind now except for Gitara's foretelling, yet she had thought about them before. They were etched in her brain as if with acid. 
space for above two hundred accepted. But the second well had been shut up since time out of memory for any living eyes to die, and barely more than sixty of these rooms were occupied. The novices' quarters also had two wells, with rooms for almost four hundred girls, but one of these was long closed, too, and the other held under a hundred. She had read that once novices and accepted had both been housed two to a room. Once, half the girls who were entered in the novice book had been tested for the ring. Fewer than twenty of the current novices would be allowed to. The tower had been built to house three thousand sisters, but only four hundred and twenty-three were in residence at the moment, with perhaps twice as many more scattered across the nations, numbers that still burned like acid. No Aes Sedai would say it aloud, and she would never dare say it where a sister might hear, but the White Tower was failing. The tower was failing, and the last battle was coming. You worry too much, Swan said gently. My father used to say, Change what you can if it needs changing, but learn to live with what you can't change. You'll only get a sick stomach otherwise. That was me, not my father. With another snort, she gave an overdone shiver and wrapped her arms around herself. Can we get inside now? I'm freezing. My room is closest. Come on. Moiraine nodded. The tower taught its students to live with what they could not change, too. But some things were important enough to try, even if you were sure to fail. That had been one of her lessons as a child. Accepted's rooms were identical, except in detail, slightly wider at the back than at the door, with plain wall panels of dark wood. None of the furnishings were fine, or indeed anything a sister would have tolerated. There was a small square Tarabonner rug woven in faded blue and green stripes on Swan's floor, and the mirrored washstand in the corner held a chipped white pitcher sitting in the washbasin. Accepted were required to make do unless something actually broke, and if it broke, they had best have a good explanation why. The small table with three leather-bound books stacked on it and the two ladder-back chairs could have come from a penniless farmer's house, but Swan's slept-in bed with its tumbled blankets was wide, like something from a moderately prosperous farmhouse. A small wardrobe completed the furnishings. Nothing was carved or ornamented in any way. When Moiraine had moved from the small, stark room of a novice, she had felt as if she were moving into a palace, though the chamber was half the size of any room in her apartments in the Sun Palace. Best of all, at the moment, was the fireplace of dressed grey stone. Today, any room with a fireplace would seem a palace, if she could stand near it. 